This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. We'll spend some time a little bit. No, I said 5.25 Discussing some of the halachas pertaining to Erebim Kippur. It's a lot to get to, but we'll try our best. The Gemara tells us in two places, both in Barachas and Sechas Rosh Hashanah, I'm not mistaken, a few years ago we discussed this at length on Shabbat Shuvah. The Gemara gives us a din based on a Pasuk. And the Pasuk says, V'nisim es nashraseichem b'tish al-achodesh, so the Gemara makes a drasha. Elakala oichel, v'shayse b'chi, anyone who eats and drinks on the ninth, ma'la olav ha'kosov. Hashem says, I consider it kilu asan e'chi v'asiri, as if you fasted both the ninth and the tenth day. It seems to be a machoikis ha'poiskim, whether this is a din de'raisa or a din de'rabonan. Mishtabur actually on the page writes, it's a din de'raisa. Which means that when a person eats an Erevim Kippur, he's able to be Mekayim a Mitzvah Deraisa. Probably one of the easiest Mitzvah Deraisas you're ever going to find. All you got to do is eat, eat and drink. Pretty simple, pretty easy. So at least according to the Mishtabru, it's a Din Deraisa. Oh, oh, we'll get to that in a second. We'll see what exactly do you have to eat to be Mekayim the Mitzvah Deraisa. What's Pshat in this Mitzvah Deraisa? What's Pshat in this Mitzvah? So if you look in the Rosh and Yuma, Rashi and Yuma, Roiv Rishonim, Rabbi Niyayna has a different mahalach, but Roiv Rishonim learn, it's posture to give you the ability to fast on the next day. Chosh Baruch out of his love for Klai Yisrael, he gives us the hardest day of the year, he gives us Yom Kippur, but he gives us a day to prepare for Yom Kippur, to make it a little easier, to make it more manageable. There's different ways of saying it also. Some people say it's not the pshat to make it easier. It's to make it manageable. There's a difference between easier and manageable, but okay, however you want to use it, the point is Hashem did it for our toivah. He gave us a day that this way we can eat before, we'll sort of say prepare, we'll be ready to be able to fast better on, on Yom Kippur. Why isn't Negea so much the reasons? Because the Achorinim discuss heavily two Shilohs. First Shiloh that uh, the Ksav the, uh, Seifer addresses, let's say someone knows they're not fasting. Right? They know they're not fasting. So everyone always says, if you look in the, a lot of the literature, they say, yeah, yeah, but you never know, maybe you'll fast. Maybe you'll feel better. But we know, let's say for example, a lady has a baby today, she's not fasting on Yom Kippur, it's not a Shiloh. Right? If a lady has a baby today, tomorrow, within three days of Yom Kippur, and Isha doesn't fast, it's not even a question. So do you still have to eat? So people say, what do you mean? The whole reason for the mitzvah is just to give me the energy to fast on Yom Kippur. I know I'm not fasting on Yom Kippur. Why do I have to still bother eating? Or let's say, if Kivega, Chuvasim Kivega, Simon Tezvav, Tezayin, Kivega has a different Shiloh. Do our women mechoyiv in eating on Yom Kippur? What's the study Hashayla? So Kivega says, on one hand, it's a mitzvah say Shazman Garamo, it's a time sensitive mitzvah. Women are part from time sensitive mitzvahs. On the other hand, if the whole reason for the mitzvah is connected to fasting, women are mechayiv to fast. So maybe women should also have a mitzvah tea on, on, uh, on Erevim Kippur. After all the small clears, Allah so the assumption is that women do have a mitzvah tea on Erevim Kippur, on Erevim Kippur, and even if someone knows they're not going to fast, they probably should also eat on Erevim Kippur. But it's a lot of discussion, lump this a little bit. To how to understand this mitzvah. Rabbi Yoni goes a different route. Rabbi Yoni writes, the mitzvah, is not, the mitzvah to eat is not so much about fasting, but it's about either the Kedusha of Erev Yom Kippur, or because on Yom Kippur you're supposed to have a meal and you can't have it then, so you have it now. Rabbi Yoni goes a different mahalach. The big... Ah, so that's the Shaboli Halekit writes it like that. Most of us assume that eating on Erev Yom Kippur makes it easier for us. The problem is the Shaboli Halekit points out, that doesn't, it's not what it says in the Pasuk. It says, We're supposed to be uncomfortable. So the Shabbat Halakit writes, the way the body works is if you eat on Erevim Kippur, it's actually harder to fast on Yom Kippur. And that's on the Pesach, you're going to eat on Erevim Kippur, and that's going to be Inuit. When? Not now. It will cause you Inuit the next day. That's the way Shabbat Halakit works. It's not healthy, 
then you don't feel well if you're not fasting. Right, right. We're talking about someone's going to eat on Erev Yom Kippur, so then he's going to have to, it'll be much harder to fast on Yom Kippur. That's the Shabbat Yalak Right, 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 right. So it's Mamish opposite Shatim. According to the Rosh, eating on Erev Yom Kippur is not to make it easier. According to the Shabbat Yalak, it actually is on the contrary, makes it harder for you. As I learned the Shabbat Yalak, the different Mahalach in, in the whole Sigur. When does the mitzvah start? Right? If someone tells you you have a mitzvah eat, you want to chop a rhyme. When does the mitzvah start? So uh, most Achorayim assume the mitzvah starts the morning of Erevim Kippur. The morning of. So L'chayr, you can argue, this is something you have to know the, the medical uh, knowledge a little bit. Will eating the night before give me energy on Wednesday? Right? If, if you go like the Rosh, the whole reason for the mitzvah to eat is to give you energy to eat to fast. Will it give me energy if I eat Monday night? Will that give me energy for Tuesday night and on Wednesday? Does the body store carbs like that? I don't know. You've got to speak to the mumchem. So many Achroinim say, no, the body won't uh, store for you. you got to only wait till the next morning at the Erev Kim Kippur, then the body will start to do what it needs to do. They bring a right from the Rashi Subas Dafei. Rashi Subas Dafei is discussing Chashash, that uh, we're afraid that if you're going to, sh- if when Yom Kippur, if Yom Kippur falls out on Monday, we should be Chashash, that people are going to start shechting already on Shabbos, they're not going to wait for Shabbos to be over. So Rashi says, no, nah, what's the Chashash? No one starts eating anyway until the next day, so you have plenty of time to shech. So Rashi says clearly that no one eats the night of. They all wait till the next day. So you see clearly Zaktach Reinim, Archashulchan brings this right, and others, that there is no mitzvah to eat on Erevim Kippur Belayla. The mitzvah starts Erevim Kippur in the morning. I often point out that there are Achreinim that hold that there is a mitzvah. So it's like this. If you're going to not ruin your appetite, so eat a little bit. We all eat anyways uh, the night before Erevim Kippur. We all have supper. None of us starve the night before. So if you have a mind, you might even get a mitzvah out of it. But if you're going to eat too much, and it's going to backfire. Why? Because you're going to fill yourself up on Monday night. Comes Tuesday, you're not going to have any room to eat. Then you're talking, not going to eat on Evan Kippur Mamish. That's a bad idea. So eat a normal supper on Monday night, maybe a little bit more. And that way, you can be Mekai in the Mitzvah. So my son was mentioning over here that many people have a practice. I'm sure this can have this practice. They would suck a candy the whole day. The Shail is, is that really a Kima Mitzvah? If the purpose is like, let's say, Lamash, like the rush, that's supposed to give you energy. Will that give you any energy, sucking a candy the whole day? I would think not. I would think the better way to do the mitzvah is to have carbs, to have a lot of water, drink a lot of water, which is what many places can bring down anyways. Eat carbs and carbs and carbs and carbs. Those are the things that, uh, that stick with you. Those are the things that give you the energy to fast. But none of the places can really get into the nitty-gritties. There's a Shailam and Chizchilach talks about, do you even have a chiv to eat pas? Happens, pas happens to be a great example of a carb. But the Shailam, do you even have to eat pas? And many Akronim hold you don't even need to eat pas. You just have to eat something. Just not just... Doesn't have to necessarily be passed, but we know the minigvas. We have two sudas. Many people have a practice have two sudas: one in the morning, one in closer before the fast, and that's known as the sudas hamapsekis. There's another minig that's also uh, interesting, needs a lot of explanation as well. Is the minig of kaparis. If you look in Shulchan Aruch, the Mechabin Simitov Reishei writes about the minig of kaparis that we take a chicken and we shecht it, and he writes Yeshlim Noya Mehaminig. Stay away from it. Why stay away from it? So if you look at the Rishonim, this minig dates back to the times of the Goinim. Ga'inim is the era around the year 600 to the year 1100 is the era of the Ga'inim, a large period of time in Jewish history. The Ga'inim were into this practice. The later, later in the times of the Rishonim, the Ramban and the Rajva, they nixed this project. They said, this is a bad idea. Why is it a bad idea? So they said, because Chashash Darki Amari. It's not really Darki Amari, but it looks, it looks a little weird. We're taking a rooster, rolling it over her head. Someone sent me a picture the other day where they have a machine now where they put the chickens in a cart and the machine rolls it over your head. So he asked me, is he yoitza? 
said, why not? Doesn't say you have to do it. As long as the chicken goes over your head, you eat it. So now we have a contraption now. It's not a hard contraption. You take a machine, it puts up the, the cart with the chickens, and it goes over your head automatically. So the, we, we shine a worry that it looks like Daki Amari. It looks like this is a, a Goyesha type of thing to do. So many we shine in the project. They were against it. But if you look in the Ramah and many of the Ashkenazic Rishonim, they were very pro it. They were very pro the idea of taking the chicken, white chicken, because a tarnagal, a rooster, is called a gever, and a person is called a gever, and whatever is supposed to happen to us, happens to the chicken. But already in the times of the Chayodim... You shouldn't use a white chicken because then it'll look like the guy. Right, that's the other issue. If we're going to be too careful on what we take, then it looks like that. We get too spooky. I can only take this min and not that min. So the Chayodim writes, again, you have to remember, the Chayodim lived in the 1700s. The Chayodim writes to use money. So people clarify Shiloh. Why did the Chayodim say to use money? Was it because he was against chickens or because they couldn't get chickens? I find it very hard to imagine the Chayodim lived in Vilna. I can't imagine there weren't chickens floating around in Vilna in the 1700s. I think the Chayodim Badafka thought that you don't have to use chicken. Now there's a Rashi in Shabbos. Rashi in Shabbos uh, in the page, I forget already which, Pevav, Pezayin. He said they used to use some form of grown things from the ground. They used to use like an Otsus, some plant, they used to rip it off the ground, and on every Rosh Hashanah they used to do kapars. That's the way Rashi brings down the practice. Today many people use money, and I heard from many people who lived, uh, who knew, had family, who lived in pre-Holocaust Europe, many, many people, and they had chickens in Europe before the Holocaust, not like today you gotta import our chickens. So, uh, they accept the practice in many European communities was not to use chickens, but rather was to use money. Now, Peter, Peter has a different what problem. With, what? with money you could use to do you do like kapars with them, then you could do it to Right, right. Right, because the idea with the kapars is to give tzedakah. I think tomorrow night he's going to give this shit. He knows better than I do. Good education, Baruch Hashem. But the, the shayla of what, the purpose of the kapars really is to be oiri tshuva. So it's really not so much the semantics of what you use and how you use it, it's really just to get you to do tshuva. So there used to be the kapars, they used to shech the chicken and they give the chicken for the onion to eat. The problem is, and this is a problem even today, it's mass producing shechita. Whenever you mass produce shrit, you're bound to make a mistake. Shaykhtim are not robots, they're humans, and it takes time, it's not easy. So that's already why, in reality, in the times of the Chayodim, they were against doing shrit. Because it's mass production, someone's going to make a mistake. So we switched over to money. Abliyashiv writes, interesting, it's called B'Shem Abliyashiv, that he held minigarets as well to use chickens. And even if your family uses money, you should switch over to use chickens. Interesting chiddush. Someone grabbed a call me today. He asked me, should he use chickens or should he use money? He said, it's very, very acceptable today to use money. How much money you should use? Oh, something you have know, to have inflation today. I remember when I was a kid, we used to use like you know, like change, you know, under a dollar in a bill. Today, that's not get you too far. So because of inflation, a couple of dollars, three, four dollars, and you uh, eat to the minute of kapars. It's interesting. Um, it's also brought down uh, already from the Mata Ephraim, The Chayoda made it perhaps more popular that there's an Indian to give uh, your children brachas on Erevim Kippur. That's brought down by the Mata Ephraim. The Chayoda has a very beautiful text. Turned that into a song also. That's why many people know about it. But that's already brought down from the times of the Mat Ephraim, so, as well as the Chayodim. It's like also like Shabbos. So you also right. like give brachas even if it wouldn't have been like... Right, right. So, you, right. so there's a minute to give a brach on Erevim Kippur even if it's not a Friday or Shabbos. And that's, uh, that's brought down. There's an interesting Shaila. We don't have the time for it. Is Erevim Kippur a Yom Tif or not? Is Erevim Kippur a Din of a Yom Tif? Why? Because on one hand, if you look at the davening, the davening reflects certain changes that we only find on a Yom Tif or an Erev Yom Tif. Not, not, I mean, a Yom Tif itself. We don't say Lam Natsayach and Erev Yom Kippur. Why not? We don't say Lam Natsayach. Lam Natsayach is only omitted on a day that's a Yom Tif. What Yom Tif is Erev Yom Kippur? We don't say Tachlan. By Shachlis. We don't say Tachlan by Shachlis. That sounds like there's something happening already on Erev Yom Kippur. 
We don't say Avinu Malkeinu on Evim Kippur already by Shachar. So there's a lot of changes to the davening, which definitely give off an impression that it has a din of a shtikl yomtiv. There's less slichas on Evim Kippur, except by the, the Yekis have longer, the same slichas. Or longer? Same? Long as Erev Rosh Hashanah. But by the, by the rest, we have a much shorter slichas on Evim Kippur. Right? Some people don't, but Dafka don't go to the cemetery on Evim Kippur. Yaakov Emden is very against going to the cemetery on Evim Kippur. Because Evim Kippur is a shtikl yomtiv. So you find in Halacha that there's a shtikl uh, kedushas yomtiv, so to say, for Evim Kippur. They bring down a minute from the Mat Ephraim that the Gabbai is supposed to give out uh, some form of cake or something on Evim Kippur. What's Psharim in the minute? So they explain, because in case anyone from the shul needs to accept tzedakah, this should be the tzedakah that they take. Let's say someone had a gzardin, chas v'shalom, that he needs to be supported by the klal, he, should be sort of, he has to be, take tzedakah, so this should be his tzedakah, this little piece of cake. Right, right, okay. One second, one second. So therefore, that's why we have this minute to take a shtickle piece of cake from the gabba. I did see they bring down shame some sran that the rabbi is supposed to give out the cake, but we'll keep that practice as the gabba gives out the cake. It's a lot easier for everyone. Now, we've spoken in the past that there's a, um, before we, we, we spoke about this at length last year. We hold that you have to say a vidu before we go into Yom Kippur. So by Mincha, we say the vidu. Very often women don't realize this. They, they're very busy. They don't have time. But they should also make sure to say at least one vidu before they go into Yom Kippur. So even women who are not going to dive in Mincha, so if they could dive in Mincha, they'll insert it into the Mincha. But if a lady doesn't have time to dive in Mincha, at least, at least, she should try to say a vidu. One second, she should, she should try to say one vidu before she goes into Yom Kippur, because we hold, according to Shittas Ramban, we spoke about it last year, that you want to have a vidu before you go into Yom Kippur. Lastly, just uh, we know there's a minute to go to the mikvah on Erev Yom Kippur also. This we spoke about uh, two years ago. But when we're tumbling with COVID still about whether or not you can use a shower or not use a shower, whether or not the purpose of the mikvah is because of keri or because of tahara, how many times you have to go under in the pashtas is you really, you really only have to go under once, maybe three times, but definitely not seven, fifty-two, or 107, what many people do in the mikvah. That's all fine and dandy. One, two last things and we'll wrap it up. There's an inya brought down by Matt Ephraim, already by the Ramah as well, that you should have your Shabbos table set with some form of a Shabbos tablecloth, even though no one's eating. But you should have it set even though it's still yomtev. I saw brought down from the Nitzah Gavril, he writes, wherever you, instead of the, the places, put svarim. Instead of, you know, you know, normally you set your table, you put the, you know, you have a plate here and a plate here. He said you should put svarim in those places to be like, uh, somehow memalamaka in the, uh, the table that's not going to have food on it. And lastly, the one time a year that people make a mistake is that on Erevim Kippur, we have to put on our talis before Shkia. So every year, there's always someone who comes in late, and there's always a shayla, well, how late after Shkia am I allowed to put on my talus? So the truth is, you should be here on time. That, that's the short answer. Be here on time, so you can say it's Zaka properly, like we spoke about yesterday, and put your talus on way before the Shkia. But let's say a guy runs late, there's always someone who's running late, could be it's justified, I don't know. So how late into the Shkia do you have the right to put on your talus with the bracha? <coughs> I remember one year, years ago when I wasn't here, I was in a different shul, a guy came in Mamish like a half an hour after Shkia. He wants to look at put on his talus with a bracha. I said, that's already... Half an hour, even maybe the chassidim would let you do it, but unzer elitzvish. That's already that's already lila. We don't make a bracha on a talis, your own talis at lila. So Rav Moshe held nine and a half minutes after the shkia. Rav Moshe held up to nine and a half minutes after the shkia, you can make a bracha, but after that you can't make a bracha. Others give you a little bit longer, twelve minutes, but after that you can't make a bracha anymore. So if you're gonna make sure your business to come on time and every kippur, so you can make the bracha on the talis. And not get involved in the shayos about making the bracha and definitely not being able to make the bracha once it's already considered halachic laila.